Let's get this W on three. One, two, three. to the W Podcast, hosted by Princess and Love. Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the W Podcast with your host, Princess Streeter and Lowe. Uh, what's up, going on, Princess? How are you doing today? Good. How are you? How is your day going? And how have you been since episode two? Not like we haven't talked since then, but for the people to know. I have been Good. A lot of interesting things happened the past week, but I'm good. And I'm actually really happy that we're recording because this is kind of like my happy place. It's become my happy place where I can like just talk about something completely different than what's going on every day. So, and I'm glad to see your face. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So for the people who don't know, we have to like live stream this and it's kind of a, like kind of a Skype. FaceTime thing. So we get to see each other, which we don't get to do because we live in two different places. So, right. And so Laureen has a lot of topics for you all today. Um, how have you enjoyed the WNBA game so far? So far, they have been really, really good. Um, I'm glad to see everybody just kind of starting off on the right foot for the most part. Um, before we continue, I just want to tell everybody thank you for tuning in. And I didn't want to forget to ask you, how have you been? since I last spoke to you? I've been good. Same old, same old. Just been out here grinding, of course. Graduation hopping. Yes, graduation hopping. Shout out to all my girls who graduated from Georgetown, UNC Greensboro. Um, Shout out to my girls and shout out to higher education and anybody else out there that graduated because, you know, we have some young fans. And so, you know, if you got your degree, whether it's the first one, second one, third one, whether it took you four years or more, Congratulations to you all. <laughs> yes, congrats to the class of 2017. So, yeah, back to the beginning of the season. So it's been really good, and we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of ground to cover. So I actually wanted to start off by asking you, let's go over a couple of games that have taken place over the past couple of uh, weeks since tip off on the 13th, and we'd love to get your take on it and see what – you thought of the outcome, what you thought about the team's performance so far, what players have stuck out to you, and so on and so forth. Okay, so there's been so much action since um, tip-off last week, but it's been great. So I've just really started to see, you know, women from last year who are stepping into roles that they've been meaning to come into, and, you know, it's great to showcase all that in the first week. They're really taking advantage of training camp and, um, you know, coming to the 21st season with a lot of power, with a lot of grit, um, scoring like crazy. Uh, some of my top players right now, we have to first acknowledge the Eastern and Western Conference Players of the Week. That is uh, Sylvia Fowles of the Minnesota Lynx and Lasia Clarendon from Atlanta Dream. And last time mm-hmm. we were thinking like, man, what is Atlanta going to do without uh, Angel McCautry? But they've been turning it on. They've been you know, pulling it up on the defensive end um, as well as offensively, which is good to see. And Lasia Clarendon has been a key piece to that. Um, averaging six of, uh, assists per game, 16.3 points per game, and shooting uh, 500% from the field goal. Uh, so that's great. The dream are now at two and one. Uh, so that's it for our Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Western Sylvia Fowles is doing the stuff that Sylvia does. Um, she had her jersey retired by LSU, which is so dope. It's great to see that you leave an imprint on your university before you go to the next level. I'm um, seeing she had that retired this week. So congratulations to her. Um, and had a great game, of course. Yesterday, the Lynx played the Connecticut Sun in the win to remain 4-0. She showed out that game in the boards with another double-double. So now she's averaging 21.7 points per game um, and shooting uh, .575 from the field. That's great, but we got some honorable mentions in there as well. Jewel Lloyd, man, mm-hmm. look it, offensively, going crazy. A 27 versus a fever, 26 versus a mystic, leading the league in points per game. Um, she's doing great. And we also have to acknowledge Brittany Griner, 
we had a career night a few nights ago also over the people we are doing great but um, um she had a, a career night with uh, 32 points three boards career night for her really just blossoming and of course her teammate diana tarasi you know what diana Still breaking records, still going above and beyond, and still giving us something great every night. We definitely called that she was going to be breaking more records. I thought it was going to be like at least in the middle of June, but she just got right to work immediately. <laughs> like as soon as they got back in season, already breaking crazy records. Just and I know Diana Taurasi is your your girl. So how do you write songs that she was able to kind of? Uh, that she's able to achieve over the past two weeks? Man, I mean, I've just been, like I said, that's my girl. I'm a huge fan, been a huge fan of her um, for many, many years. She just has like that killer mentality. They call her the white mamba, which I don't like, but whatever. Oh, the white mamba. Um, really? Why not? I think it's corny. Like, well, first of all, I don't even flow. And then there's no such thing as a white mamba. I don't know. I just don't like it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you got to give Diana, I mean, she does with, you know, her championship mindset, you know, just giving her all every time she steps on the court. She does an amazing job. Um, so she's the first player in the WNBA to reach 7,000 points, uh, 1,500 boards and 1,500 assists, um, as well as, like we said, reaching the milestone. She's almost there to be the all-time leading scorer, which is like crazy. It just shows how this game is still evolving, just how her talent is, as well as for the European League after an um, – 269 point season uh, this offseason for the WNBA. She's now number two on the all time European League's all time scoring list with 3,166 points. So, like I said, DT, keep shining, man. I wonder what her formula, like, what is her secret sauce? What is her thing? Like, what is, what does she do that nobody else does that allows her to be such well, a Well, I think. Yeah, what I think that um, does parallel to Kobe Bryant in a lot of ways is um, she goes the extra mile. She's one of those players that they say you can see in the gym at, at three in the morning, um, ready to go, you know, still putting up shots and things like that. I remember Elena Deladon was talking about her and Tamika Ketchins um, during the 2016 Olympics were always ready for workouts, always shooting. And we know the greatness that is Tamika Ketchins. Um, and it's just putting in that extra work. And like I said, having that championship mindset, having that killer mentality. And now I think when you're so close to being the best, it's like, and on a great note, she has that new contract extension that'll keep her in Phoenix um, through 2020. Um, so, you know, three more years to really produce, three more full seasons to do so. Um, it's like, man, why not go down to history? And we know by 2020, she'll be at probably an untouchable point. Mm -hmm. um, so to see how much she still has to grow and how much she still has to get to the game. Yeah, she's definitely going to set the bar really high uh, by the time that she is, that her contract expires in 2020. It's, it's three more years of Diana Taurasi being dominant. So I think everyone should just prepare themselves for that. So what do you think about how the Liberty have been performing um, since during the beginning of the season. I know that they did lose a big piece with Brittany Boyd having an Achilles injury. She tore her uh, left Achilles tendon and she actually just had surgery on this past Monday to repair it. And her recovery period is up to 12 months. So she's out the rest of the season. And I know that's a big blow for the Liberty because not only is she just a rising star, but she brings a certain kind of level of energy you, if you've ever seen Brittany Boyd played in person, whether you, you saw her in um, in college or here in New York, she has a level of energy that's very contagious. She has a grit about her. She has a very aggressive style of play. Not an aggressive person. She's a sweet person. But just on the court, she's just... She is kind of like, you know, it's like a spark that she ignites in everyone. And mm. I know she's been working really hard over the this past off season. So, you know, we all were looking forward to seeing how she would have contributed and produced. And during the first couple of games, she was doing really well. So to see her go down is really uh, disheartening to see. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, and like you said, such a key piece for the team. Um, I know it's, you know, a blow to her teammates as well as coach Lanebeer. 
um, and the Liberty fan base as a whole, because it's like um, Brittany Boyd is kind of a sign of, of the future, a kind of a sign of the dominance that they need to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. You know, that 12-month period, I really hope that everything goes as scheduled or and actually ahead of schedule. So, you know, that whole year she won't have to sit out because, of course, that'll uh, keep her out of training camp next year and a little bit out of um, the season. If it's a little bit out of the 2018 season, and, you know, that's just so bad. And Achilles tendon, it kind of takes away everything that you can do as a basketball player. Um, so just condolences out to her. I'm, I'm glad to hear that she had a successful surgery. Um, that's amazing. But I don't think that we can count out the New York Liberty because they do have room for um, New York legend of Pimpity Prince, who is, you know, doing some great things uh, for the team and still, you know, keeping them, um, you know, above water. So they just beat the Phoenix Mercury uh, Tuesday night, um, 69-67 with a go-ahead jumper by, of course, Prince. 4.5 seconds left. Yeah, yeah, very nice to knock down the shot. And so she had four three-pointers. She was 10 for 14 from the field. Finished with 24 points. And um, Tina Charles adding 22 and 11 rebounds. So now they're sitting at a 2-1 and one record, which is not a bad start. They're actually number four, I think, in the AP Power Poll. Um, it's not a bad start for the team. I do think that they, um, you know, have some room for improvement defensively. But still, you know, even with going – having an integral piece that goes down, still being able to come together and get a good win over a team is great, especially a, as great defensively. As the Phoenix Mercury, um, they actually have the lowest defensive rating in the league, making them the best. They uh, allow the fewest amount of points, I think, with about 85 per 100 possessions. Um, so, you know, being able to get a win over them, even by the skin of their teeth, they did it. So, um, like I said, really great to have Epiphany Prince uh, on the ball as an awesome guard. And, of course, Tina Charles. Speaking of the best, so with the Sparks losing, they lost against Indiana Fever, 93 to 90. That now sets the Minnesota Lynx as the only undefeated team in the league right now with four wins and zero losses. I mean, Minnesota, the Lynx are going to link, you know, like (laughs) that's what they're doing. They're basically out here doing, picking up right where they left off, Um, probably playing with a little bit more, I don't want to say purpose, but playing with a little bit more oomph this year, I guess, because of how the series ended last year. Um, Especially around with the whole officiating, which we'll get to later Mm -hmm. on. So what do you think about uh, the Lynx performance this season and where they're headed? I think they're headed, of course, to the finals. Oh, so you're just going to go straight there? To the finals, yes. Yes, yes, yes. To a a championship, (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, but to the finals, yeah, they have, like we said, all their pieces together. Um, um, also, as we mentioned previously, in the offseason, no one went overseas. Everyone's well-rested. Um, everyone could, you know, dedicate themselves to preseason as well as going in now, like we said, 4-0, the only unbeaten, which I think is tough to do during through, throughout four games. Um, so you got to give them credit. Like I said, Sylvia Fowles being just – um, amazing. Rebecca Brunson, Lindsay Whalen, Maya Moore. I was watching their game um, last night against the Sun, and so it looked for a while. I mean, Alex Bentley and uh, you know Morgan Tuck were kind of giving them the business, but it was like the third quarter, which is going off. Sylvia Fowles, you know, putting up her, um, I think, double-double, and then Maya Moore getting into a good scoring groove um, and getting everybody involved for a team win. They closed it out with a win. So it does show that they can be beaten as long as you get out early in the game um, and, and keep attacking them down the lane. Um, but, man, it, it's, it's just I, – I have to go straight to the finals. I, like we said, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They lost by, I mean – Two points. And now everyone does have them as a champion. And I'm, I'm on that same wave. I don't really see them missing a beat from last year. The, the Sparks had more shifts through the offseason – player-wise, and I just – I think that consistency from last year from Minnesota into this year really is going to benefit them. And consistency is actually the perfect word. When I think of Minnesota, you know, very seldom do you see a lot of core players leave and go on other teams. And I feel like Minnesota has been playing with the same core for such a long time. 
So they found what works, you know, they tweak whatever they need to tweak around that. But the core of Rebecca Brunson, Maya Moore, Simone Augustus, adding Sylvia Fowles a couple years ago as well, and Lindsay Whalen, you know, it's just a recipe for this continued success. And they're always, and especially now with the new playoff format where there is no conferences, it's just kind of whoever is at whatever rank. Right. They're going to make it difficult, not just for the West, but for just the entire league. Exactly. And I really do. I really do see, like you said, um, consistency is, is what's going to take them further, as well as Sylvia Fowles. I mean, she's 31 at this point, so still fairly young, I would say, in basketball years. And she's never been named an MVP. I think that's important to note as well, because, you know, people use that to kind of motivate them. I've, she's gotten so many awards, and um, she was the 2015 finals MVP, but hasn't gotten the season's MVP. And with the start that she has now, you know, being one of the – the highest scores right now, the highest rebounders right now. She's really playing her role um, to develop into, you know, a piece that the Minnesota Lynx can't do without. So, like I would say, if everyone stays healthy and they roll into uh, this fall, um, kind of on that same momentum, I see them going straight into the finals. Awesome! I can't wait to see where how things end up at the end of the season. Also, speaking of uh, MVPs, I want to transition right into. The Mystics. Um, most recently, she played her home, her old team. She played the Sky. Her team, the Mystics, won eighty-two sixty-seven. Talk about, I guess, a little bit about how Elena's doing so far in the Mystics. What do you see? And how do you see she's performing and gelling with her teammates there versus when she was in Chicago? Yeah, well, Elena Deladon is going to be, you know, Elena Deladon. She's going to get buckets easily, effortlessly. She's just a natural scorer. Um, she has that uh, ability to just kind of get things going offensively, which, of course, is going to benefit Washington immensely. Um, they've just rounded out with that um, game against Chicago, their West Coast stretch. They were first in um, L.A. and then in Seattle um, and now Chicago. And so they didn't win in L.A. and Seattle, but we started to see kind of how She's getting the team involved as well. Tierra Ruffin Pratt with a double-double, 15 points, 5 for 11 shooting, and a little bit under 20 minutes. Shout out to the former Tar Heel as well. Um, and then Elena Deladon added 21 points. Ivory Ladder had 10. Um, Hawkins with 12. So really getting the team involved, you know, like we said, went over her former team. And I, like I said, I like how they get everyone involved. I think they're still working those kinks out. And then, you know, in the games to come, as well as getting more home games, like the one Friday uh, in a rematch against the Sky. Um, and then going from there as they get more comfortable in, in the Verizon Center, as well as with each other, we'll start to see a better outcome for Washington. Ashley was going to ask you that. Uh, what do you think? Do you think the Sky are going to come into Washington on Friday and take the win this time? You know, how do you think they're going to adjust with this? different version of Alina and work playing on their home court this time versus being in Chicago. Um, let me think. I mean, there was so much that went into this game. Some people just have to get a little bit more involved. Uh, Allie quickly came back for her first game. He added 13. Stephanie Dolson had 13. Uh, Tamara Young was 14. And Kathy Pondexter was 17. So nobody played bad. Um, nobody would play badly, but their shooting was just off. Um, they shot 25% from the three and 30% from the field. Um, and then they were just getting beat, you know, on the on the offensive and defensive glass. It just it just got away from them. And I, I know there's been a lot of uh, media hype. Pretty much all the, you know, Chicago players have been sick of the questions um, about Elena Deladon leaving. I know Tamara Young walked out on a press conference and Kathy Pondexter pointed some stuff out. Like, are we going to talk about anything else but Elena? Um, so they were probably just over it. I, that really must be annoying. Like you're trying to, you know, build a new. You have a new coach. You have new right. pieces to, new pieces to your team. Um, obviously, it's still comp, still being competitive, still being tenacious. And there already was, you know, ex controversy or talk around how Elena left the team, and I'm sure they moved past it as a team. They're working on building the chemistry, working on you know, reaching the ultimate goal. And 
us friendly media always bringing up old stuff, right? So, <laughs> you know, we can't let stuff go until we get the answer that we want to hear. Well, always yeah. looking for that that one quote or that one lapse in, you know, if someone doesn't answer a question fast enough, then it's like, ooh, what's that about, right? That must be annoying. So I just hope, you know, just shout out to the sky. Shout out to all the teams and their debut. Uh, the pa- their debuts over the past couple of weeks. Um, shout outs to all the rookies and second year players that are doing their thing. And we'll just hope that we continue to see every team flourish, every team grow. One thing I did mention earlier uh, was uh, involving uh, officiating. And an article came out on the New York Times earlier this week, basically saying that the WNBA is now coming, not honestly coming down hard on, but addressing some of the officiating issues that have been taking place. Back in April, they announced that they did reach a deal with their referees. Um, So they have increased their salaries and they're increasing training as well. And uh, um, a lot of this stems from a lot of controversy with certain plays, particularly around the finals last year. So if you guys remember game five of the finals last year, Basically, with a minute and change down, um, a minute and about 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter, the, t- the game was tied at 71-71, and Ogumike, uh, Neko Ogumike was credited with a field goal. But later on, the WNBA basically announced a statement saying that the officials missed a shot clock violation, which was two seconds prior. This also happened in game four, where the referees also missed an eight-second uh, violation, even though the Lynx ended up winning that game, still these different issues that are going on. The article also talks about different mistakes that have gone on so far this season. And I actually remember this one very vividly. Um, the one that they highlighted here, which was a season opener at Madison Square Garden on the 13th, where in the second quarter with about a minute left, Erica D'Souza was called for a foul. And it took them about five minutes to review. And even minutes later, there was another call that had to be reviewed, another play that had to be reviewed. And altogether, it just took way too long. And, you know, when the game, when the review takes too long, the audience starts to lose interest. The players are obviously sitting there because they want to continue the game. And you're trying to end the game or end a quarter or end a half, and you're taking five minutes to go over a play that should that happens regularly in every game, in every, you know, across all levels of basketball. So the article basically talked about how they're just trying to uh, to address these issues, but it also addressed how a lot of the referees also play, um, also work in college or in the D-League. So just like how the women, female um, women's basketball players have to play all year round, a lot of these referees also have to work all year round. And they also have like a very limited time frame where they're trained and where they get to get and prepare for the WNBA season. And then the season obviously is so, um, you know, compact. And then after the season's over, they got to get right into the NBA or get right into the NCAA or whatever else that they work at. So I found the article to be very interesting. If you guys ever get a chance to check it out, it's on the New York Times. Um, Did you get a chance to read the article? And if so, what do you think about uh, everything that the article discussed? Um, I think you pretty much said it. But of course, the you know, game five, the naked shot was really like the icing on the cake to say this isn't going to work. So I do think, um, and like you made some very good points, the referee playing the NCAA or the D League um, is it's a lot for them you know, to, to do that year round. Um, and so I really like that the WNBA is conducting in season training. Um, so that's like on the court training as well as a video kind of classroom based training. And like you said, you can always get better. The 21st season, uh, we just left a very historic season, a milestone where we celebrated the players, celebrated the league for for making it this far and expanding. So the little kinks and stuff like like officiating really, really, really need to be in order for them to keep expanding. They're the most successful women's sports league in the world. I mean, you don't want something like officiating to negate, you know, people's ideas of, of the talent there. Um, like Kara Lawson said, we have some really, really, really good players, but the officiating is really not that great. Up to par. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's not up to par with what the league is trying to take itself to. And when you think about it, the referees are such, such, such an important part of the game. And so I'm glad, you know, that the criticism went on so that it could get to the league and that some changes could be made because, um, you know, Renee Brown, the uh, director of black basketball operations uh, for the league itself, back in October, she made the statement, was like, it's just not satisfactory for us to miss a call this big, especially in a game deciding, uh, champion deciding game. Um, like, yeah, progress is always is always welcome. And it's progress, not perfection. You're not always going to get it right. But like I said, by season 21, stuff like that shouldn't be happening, especially on a stage that big. But I can also add, I can also play devil's advocate a little bit because like I told you, we were on the phone. I was like, I didn't even notice it, the shot clock violation. Um, and it might just be because the referees didn't bring it to attention. Um, and, and it's different when you're watching it at home versus being in the arena because first of all, Minnesota was on fire that night. So who knows, you know, the volume, mm-hmm. And, and the refs could have been watching the player versus watching the clock. Like I said, there's really no way to excuse it when you're basically a professional referee. But at the same time, um, being in that environment, there's kind of a lot of things that you can't miss. Um, it's just the fact that it was on such a big stage that makes it 10 times worse. It's on a big stage, and it's also like a critical game. Like right. a, cha- a championship swing game or championship deciding game. Yeah, and Cheryl Reeve, coach of the Minnesota spoke out about it. And I'm glad she didn't, you know, blame the the loss of the championship and the game on that one call. Um, I think that was very professional of her because a lot of people can kind of attribute, um, you know, things like that and just do like open, um, open criticism of the league and it's officiating that way. So I'm glad she didn't. F's like, y'all lost the game first. We could have been champions. She kind of bowed out and was like, "This is." she still said this is unacceptable um, and d- definitely didn't make light of it at all. But I'm glad she didn't start going in on people at you're that the, point. You're glad that she didn't wild out. I'm glad she didn't wild out, right. Because As I mean, she should she, have. She should have. Right? I mean, she had every. She had the grounds. I won't say she should have, but she had the grounds too. Well, it's a new season. I'm glad that the league addressed it first and foremost. Um so we'll see how things turn around and we'll see if there's a new champion. It's all that we can look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. Before I transition, shout outs to the, speaking of champions, shout outs to the Sparks. They got their championship rings, those big, beautiful, glistening shit championship oh, rings. Right. <laughs> um, they had their ring ceremony on the 19th. It was actually pushed back a little bit because Candace was not back yet from playing overseas. So, the beautiful ceremony. It was so good. Very emotional, very exciting. A lot of girl, every player on that squad, every member of their front office, coaching staff, everybody deserved it. And it was a really, really good feel good ceremony. And I'm glad that we all got to witness it because it was available online for us to stream. So it was so, so, so good. Did you get a chance to see it? Yes, I did. Um, it was really good. You know me, I'm just like a big emotional crybaby kind of person. So it was really <laughs> when Chrissy Tolliver ran out and of course got her ring for her contributions to the 2016 uh, championships. That was great to see, you know, like we, like you said, Candace Parker, Essence Carson and Jantel Lavender weren't quite back yet from Turkey finishing up and I, and Essence Carson and Jantel Lavender also um, won the Turkish league championship. Shout out to them. And uh, shout out to them. They're just winning everywhere. All these rings and championships and trophies. Right. right. Talk about a good year. Talk about a good year. Can I get something? Exactly. And if you want to see the rings, go on Instagram to the W Podcast. Check out our Instagram page. And we have a picture up there of the LA Sparks championship ring. Um, it was really cute. I saw Magic Johnson and Cookie posing with theirs, and then the COO. Um, Christine Simmons had hers. She posted it. I thought that was really cool um, to see everybody celebrating, especially on the administrative level. And so you can listen to bits of that here. But um, just going from that, it was a really great ceremony. Like I said, I'm emotional all the time. It was great to see. And then, of course, what's uh, Candace Parker's daughter's name? Uh, Leah? Leah? Yes, I believe so. I think it's Leah. So sweet. Always running out with her mom. I mean, that was so cute. I love that they have that tradition. It's just always so cute to see. 
Yeah, shout outs to them. It's so cool. And speaking of other ceremonies, congratulations to Diana Tarazi and Penny Taylor for getting married. We all got to see a beautiful picture from the ceremony. Um, it, they actually gave it to People Magazine. It's also on our Instagram. Oh, yeah, of course, because immediately we put that on our Instagram. Right. They looked gorgeous. Yeah. And maybe it's just me, but I was kind of in the dark about them dating until like a year ago. Right. <laughs> Someone brought it to my attention. I was like, what? Really? Like, they just kept it so discreet, which I think that's what you're supposed to do as professionals. Um, but they both look absolutely beautiful. And whoever plans on getting married next, I think it might be Elena and her wife. All I'm saying is me and Princess would like to invite. We don't want much. We just want to just show up. Princess is already in D.C. She's close by. It ain't nothing for me to get down there. It's only four hours. We could, You know, we could do a podcast from there. Something. <laughs> we just want to be... We just want to be part of the number. That's all. I just want to be there. Yes, we will slide to Delaware in a quick second, Elena. <laughs> I'm at the game Friday. I'm going to uh, put that in her ear. If I meet Just her. put that book, plant the seed, and just walk away, and we'll right. see what happens. Hopefully. I, write it down. I write it down on a piece of paper, slip it to her, and walk away. Like, Who is this? Or she's going to be like, uh-huh. um, just, just, just give us the invite, and we'll explain later. You know what's crazy? What's really crazy about this? I wanted to see Diana Taurasi without the bun. But she wore the bun to the wedding. I was like, Diana. <laughs> she was looking fine. She was looking great. But, man, I wanted to see her without the bun. I was like, what does all that hair look like? Diana's going to be true to herself, especially on her wedding day. I would expect her to be as true to herself as possible. I saw one picture of her hair down, and she has a lot of hair. I know it. I know she has a lot and she tucks it into that bun, which doesn't look like a lot. But I'm like, I wanted to see it like style, like like feather, like fair or faucet type. I don't I don't think that's I could actually see more of like a beachy wave with her outfit. Like what do you think? Okay. Like a little bit of like highlights. I wanted fair faucet. I wanted Oh, you want drama. <laughs> I want, I, want, I popped out for this. She wanted you to serve her looks, Diana. That's what she wanted. She wanted looks, outfits. <laughs> Makeup, face beat, hair did, and I don't blame you, but no, nah, they looked absolutely beautiful. So shout outs, shout outs to her and to Miss Penny Taylor, who also actually rejoined the Phoenix as a part of their um front office. Mm-hmm. She is part of their player development, if I'm correct. So right. shout outs to her, you know, coming back to contribute to the league, I mean, to the team in a very integral role and in bringing not only her experience, but some other assets that she probably has to the front office. And I love, I would love to see how she contributes. Right. I think she'll be on the coaching staff if, uh, in like as an official coach in the next few years, or maybe someone else's coaching staff, but cause I'd always seen her as a player coach and in, um, you know, in her, her her latter part of her playing career, she was always very vocal on the bench. Sometimes I would see her dressed up and I wouldn't, always know her job title, but I'm like, Penny Taylor just looks very coach-esque. Like I said, like a player coach um, in that role. So I could definitely see her transitioning into uh, more of a head coach or, or assistant coach um, role. If not with the Mercury, then with another team, I'm assuming still in Arizona. I have a question. Speaking of moving, mm-hmm. just a random topic that I just thought yeah. about getting into. So when players, the players that are married, Right, or their mothers, or they have booze, significant others. Mm-hmm. When it comes time to want, if they want to, if they're a free agent and they kind of want to test the waters, I wonder how much. Con- I mean, obviously, where you live and your family come into consideration, but I wonder like what those conversations are like. You know what I mean, like if it's something that's like a no-brainer or if it's something that's like, you know, how supportive are your family members? Are they like, hey, let's just go wherever you want to go? Or do they have to come take consideration like your child is in school mm-hmm. and they've already been fr- made friends? Like, let's say, for instance, hypothetically speaking, Candace Parker wanted to test the waters and try to be a free agent. She's been in L.A. pretty much her whole career. Her daughter is of school age. She has her school. She has her friends. She has her routine family members or friends and supports around 
So if she wanted to take that, I wonder if that prevents some players from wanting to expand their horizons and kind of test the waters. What do you think? Ooh, I mean, that gets into a lot of conversations we can have about women in the workplace. But of course, translating it to women's basketball, it has to. I mean, if, like I said, if you're stepping into the role as a wife and mother, you are always responsible for home, but you're also expected to have a successful career um, and to you know, keep playing basketball. I think it actually gives you a little bit more flexibility than other women in the workplace because you have other teams that you could possibly go to. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a wife or mom. So I wouldn't really know exactly, but I'm saying you have other teams that you could go to and still have your same job. And you probably have the same support. You probably know someone else on the team. It's different than being, say, like um um a woman in in uh, marketing or advertising or something or I don't know, engineering and you you, you get offered a job in New York, but you, you know you may not know anybody. You kind of have to start all the way over. A lot of different things can go into that. But like I said, I'm not a wife and a mom. But you might be able to answer this more since you are a wife-to-be. Like, what do you think about, like, maybe packing up and moving and making those type of decisions, which are very, very grown-up decisions for your family, but also saving your career? From experience, well, I'm not a mother, but I am engaged. And I'm not an athlete either. So, but I could just say as a woman, um, you definitely have to take your partner or your family's future in consideration as well. Right. So something may seem like a no-brainer for you, but you have to move somewhere that might be, well, I, I can say for myself, I've thought about leaving New York because the rent is too damn high. But, you know, I always have to take in consideration my fiance because, you know, I want to go, go to a place where it may, it will make sense for him. So just a little background, my fiance uh, also is a budding music producer. So let's say I were to get a job working for the Indiana Fever, or I would get a job working in Louisville for at the university in their athletic department. You know, I could go to a big college town like this, like like Indiana or like Kentucky or like Oregon or, you know, places like that that have huge sports cities or huge sports hubs. But for someone who's a music producer, Oregon is not the place. You know what I mean? There's not really not. I mean, of course, they have a music scene. Everywhere has a music scene. But it's not like uh, Atlanta and L.A. or New York, something like that. You know what I mean? So... That's something that I know I have to take into consideration sometimes when I'm trying to think about a future move. And nothing is permanent. Things can change. Opportunities can change. Things can change on his end, too, as well. Um, so when I think about the players and the ladies of the WNBA, I always take that into consideration, especially those that do have families. You know, they have to think about relocation, getting assimilated if they do have a part, a husband or a wife or, or a significant other you know, making sure that they are also going to be able to kind of get on their feet as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always sacrifices involved. Right. Once I get to that point in life, dating and beauty, (laughs) all that works out. But, you know, my little self (laughs) Let me tell you about Princess, guys. Princess is not going to have to worry about anything because she's going to be so rich and so well off by the time. First of all, you better claim it. Second of all, she's going to be so rich and wealthy by the time she gets, you know, Prince Charming comes in her lane that she can go wherever she wants and everybody's going to be good. You are a mess. But look, everybody eats beef. I get on, I'm putting my on. I got you. (laughs) I got you. So so I want to segue a little bit to some other talking that have been on our minds over the past couple of days. So I'm going to start with our boy, Ray Allen, right? So Ray Allen, the other day, made a statement regarding bringing back the uh, basketball team to Seattle. He was a member of the Seattle Supersonics, which are now the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he said that we need a hoops team back in Seattle. Which goes into the big, large conversation of putting people putting respect on the WNBA's name. Mm-hmm. Most recently, another person by the name of 
Daniel Ravel or Ravel, Mr. Ravel. I follow him on Twitter. He is a sports business uh, writer. And he, it was the night of the NFL draft. And he reported that a guy that got drafted was the first pick or the first top pick or first number one pick that was signed to Rock Nation. Hmm. Um, or yeah, like the first top draft pick or top 10 pick or something like that signed to Rock Nation. Uh, not kind of forgetting that Scarlett Diggins was number three when she was drafted. And had the nerve to try to debate her about it. So, well, technically, when you got drafted, you weren't signed yet to Rock Nation. You signed 10 days later or something. I don't understand how we can move forward accepting women's basketball and women's basketball to be flourished and respected if people who are professionals, people who are parts of part of the sports community fail to acknowledge these accomplishments that these ladies ha have made and the impact that they have on in sports period. Mm -hmm. So when your boy Ray Allen, and I'm gonna say your boy because he's not mine right now because he annoyed me with that comment. When your boy Ray Allen made those comments, how did you feel and how did you take it? Well, he's not my boy either because I, <laughs> A Celtics fan, um, and you know the drama that goes along with Ray Allen and my Boston Celtics. So he's not my boy either. Um, and I think there's just still a lot of ignorance. You asked, you posed the question, "How are we supposed to move forward?" Um, there's a lot of ignorance towards these type of topics because he knows good and well there's a WNBA team in Seattle, and I know what he meant. I, I know that he. You know, it was really the, the Seattle Supersonics were a great team. They had, you know, Gary Payton and, um, of course, Ray Allen and some more exquisite players. And it does suck that there's no longer a franchise there well, for the NBA. We can acknowledge that. But for him to say we need a, we need to bring basketball back to Seattle and to have a, a, a team there that's actually that's very successful um, and is a part of the WNBA, I think it's just it's very ignorant. And like you said, you got to put some respect on what these women are doing instead of just wishing that there's a team back in Seattle. Why wouldn't you just put some some support? Do pull a Magic Johnson, put some support behind your um, the team that you do have in the city that you love. If you want basketball there so badly, put some support behind the women's team that's already there um, and, and continue to go from there because, you know, Many people think like he does and don't see them as a basketball team in the city, which they clearly are one big eye roll for me. Um, and the Skylar Diggins drama, I actually didn't hear of that until you just mentioned it. But you of course, that, I didn't. But of course, that just attributes to journalists or personalities not doing their research, not knowing what's up and only being skilled or only being knowledgeable of one area or one lane in sports. And I don't think that's how you'd be successful. Not to bash anybody or anything, but you gotta um you gotta acknowledge that it's not just men that are doing amazing things. Like you mentioned, um Rock Nation is is so happy to have Skylar Diggins and has done an amazing job, you know, expanding her brand and her modeling career and her connections with Nike and and beyond which we can't knock. You can't ignore that. I think that's just so whack. And like I said, just a certain level of ignorance towards women's sports, towards women athletes. I feel like we close the show with this every time. Um, but it's just, like you said, we got to move forward. And I think the best way to do that is to um, get the men involved because these, here are two men um, disregarding the accomplishments of women. And a lot like how the NBA has the Lean In Together initiative to get men on the side of supporting women in sports or supporting women in general. Um, and instead of just bashing somebody, instead of saying, oh, we need a real hoops team, get behind the team that you already have. Instead of trying to debate and negate what Skylar Dickens has done, say, you know, you can, you can boost somebody up without having to negate someone else. And I think that's the important thing that we need to remember when it comes to um, making more fans of women's basketball. I think with the Skylar Diggins thing, what what just blew me was, you know, when he made when he tweeted it and she responded back, you know, like that's not true. And then he corrected her. Like, you're gonna correct the athlete directly? Like how 
I that's disrespectful. Like to me, oh. it was just like that's disrespectful. Like she, I don't think she was necessarily trying to play him. I think she was just correcting him. Like, no, that's not accurate what you're saying because you know this is why. And I think just in general, us as media who just do our research. This is where research is important. We can't just research what we only want to know. We have to make sure that we're well-rounded so that way we don't make these mistakes because you don't want to turn off a set of people. There are people who are diehard Skylar Diggins fans who probably won't go to him as a resource anymore. He's a valuable resource. Mm-hmm. When it comes to anything involving uh, contracts, anything involving endorsements, uh, uh information about teams um like with the raiders moving to vegas he when it comes to the financial part of sports i go to him because he's very knowledgeable in that you know and it's just like you should know better and if you don't know just find out care themselves are telling you hey buddy i think you got this wrong respect that but don't correct her out there because i don't think he would have corrected odell beckham he wouldn't correct. He wouldn't have corrected uh, Eli Manning. He wouldn't have corrected Kyrie. I don't think he would have done that publicly. And if he did do it publicly, he would have got dragged. So, <laughs> like, simple, simple as but that. Probably knows the NBA and the NFL like the back of his hand. So, like, that all comes back to to research, and then of course. Don't be dumb. Don't be like, oh, well, this is the actuality of it. Like, sir, just right. like we know you're smart, dude. Like, we know that you know your stuff. You just didn't know this. Right. He's like one of those kids. Yeah. They don't want to be corrected. And they're like, but actually, yeah. No. He, he had to have the last word. I was like, all right. Um, speaking of people having to have the last word and talking, another person who's your boy, LeVar Ball. <laughs> I'm going to let you take this one because I expressed in episode two or episode one, episode one, how much, uh, how I feel about LeVar Ball. But basically he made some comments that kind of alluded to not caring about marketing his big baller brand to women, which I think you're a fool if you do not market to women in some sort of capacity. I'm going to let you take this one. Talk about I'm, your boy, LeVar Ball. You're going to stop calling people my boys, which you're going to stop doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we've had just so much to say about LeVar Ball over this course of just, I don't know, past year, pretty much, he's been in the the media. And I have grown to accept him. I've grown to accept him as a proud father, as you know, a supporter trying to be an entrepreneur, make a new avenue for himself. It's not that I've grown to love him, just grown to accept him. And um, I think at this point, he's really exposing himself as a uh, foolish, like you said, businessman, uh, marketing wise. If you have to, and, and okay, so let's go back to the actual event, the actual conversation where he said that and get some context because he was on the Colin Coward show and he mentioned, um, he was talking to, to Christine Leahy, who, um, you know, was kind of, who was coming at him, uh, who was, you know, I, I won't even sugarcoat it, who she was kind of attacking him. It seemed like she kind of had a vendetta to come for him. Um, for the show. I will say that. So I think a lot of what he was saying was in defense because he immediately, of course, when she started talking and he felt attacked, he turned his back to her, his entire demeanor changed, his entire, you know, kind of direction of the conversation changed up. So I think, and she mentioned, she was like, well, you're not going to market to women. And he was like, no, no, that's what those other brands do. But he was amid ignoring her in a way. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he did. He doesn't really mean it. Maybe he was just on the defensive end at that point. But he really is exposing himself as um, a businessman who's going to get in his own way. If, if those are really his thoughts, if he really thinks he can build a successful brand and ignore the buying power of women and how the buying power of women directs every household, if they're married or engaged or things like that, um, down to the children and, of course, the husband and the shopping, just um, the influence that we have. 
um, refusing to market to them, refusing to, um, not them, to us, <laughs> uh, refusing to market to women, refusing to, you know, adjust your product to something that can reach the masses. If that's how he really thinks, okay, he's just straight up dumb. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Just straight up unintelligent in that um, regard. But I think in a lot of ways with the context of what he was saying was amid trying to um, dismiss Christine and to still kind of answer questions about the brand at the same time. Um, so if you didn't see that interview, that kind of puts it in context. But like I said, if he's really saying he's not going to market to women and he's going to keep big baller brand at those ridiculous prices looking like a Kobe knockoff, then I'm just going to we're just going to watch him put his own foot in his mouth. I just saw a post in the group chat that we're in. Shout outs to minorities in sports, MIS. Um, yes. To minority in sports biz, because Shayna wanted to shout out the creative minority in sports. Thanks for getting us all together. But somebody posted up a picture of a link to <laughs> these tank tops that are being sold on the Big Baller brand website that say, stay in your lane. Oh, my goodness. And they're black tank tops with gold lettering, and they're on sale for $60. So, his only products on the website are women's t-shirts, by the way. But there's no shoes or sneakers or anything that are catered to women on the website. And that's just something I just generally see. Um, women's basketball sneakers... There's not a major, I feel like, I don't know if brands are not seeing the need for it to have like separate lines. I think that there are women's versions of existing shoes, but to have like women's basketball sneaker lines, I don't really see it as much. I feel a lot of the players now that are signed to deals, they may have a colorway, a custom shoe, um, the last time I, the the most iconic shoe that I remember, women's basketball shoe, are the Air Swoops, mm -hmm. which is a shoe that I think Nike dropped the ball on because they should have re-released it for the 20th anniversary of the league, which was also the year that she got inducted into the Hall of Fame. That would have been a crazy re-release, but I digress. What is it with brands not wanting to market to women? Mark, women, as a woman who likes to shop, and I'm sure you can attest to this, we will buy anything. And we will buy things primarily if we can feel we can relate to it. If it's something that we can use, if it's something that can kind of tug at our heartstrings, something that we could see ourselves in. This is true in beauty. This is true in fashion. And this would definitely be true when it comes to shoes and sneakers and footwear and athletic wear when you see the rise of just how I think women's athletic wear has evolved, when you see what women wear to go exercising or even with a couple, of, maybe about a year or two ago with Nike release, uh, releasing a women's basketball line, which is tailored to the female basketball player. And they used members of the WNBA as well as UConn uh, as focus groups and kind of got their feedback on what they were like. And these women put so much input into it, for, whether it be, you know, issues with, you know, they have a lot of hips or they might be short or they might be tall or they might be really slim and they have to kind of roll their shorts at the waist to just keep it secure. Or the shorts might be too long or it has like, you know, in the lower crotch area, it might be too big, different, different, issues that they had, they addressed it and they created a really, really dope women's line that is comfortable, that speaks to the female body. So I wonder why brands don't put that much effort into making a women's shoe, like not a version of an existing shoe, but a completely different shoe catered strictly towards women. I think you need to get paid for that idea. You know, I, I can't even answer that question. I really think that's a marketing um, avenue that people don't take that often because um, I guess they just assume that women's basketball players can just do okay with women's basketball shoes. 
I mean, you see differences between women's running shoes and um, women's hiking shoes. Don't ask me how I know that. I went through a hiking phase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have, um, you know, differences. And like you said, with the shorts and, and um, but really having a different shoe um, and marketing that for, you know, with a, with a women's basketball player and taking that avenue. I really think you should be paid for that idea. Go ahead and pitch that. Pitch it before one of our listeners does because if Nike, I'm listening. I Nike, Adidas, Sacconi, whoever wants to give me the resources to make this happen, I got you. Just give me the resources. I got everybody. And it'll be a dope show. Look, hmm? look, hit up the group message that we were just promoting, talking about all this sports and all these great people, because there'd be some some major deals going down in that group chat. Right, but I'm gonna need an actual basketball player to get to test out the shoe. Because let me tell you who right. won't be testing out the shoe. This girl <laughs> right here. I'm not. That's not. That's right. not my skill set. Right. So, well, we can get a Epiphany Prince in on it, or Tina Charles, or somebody uh, who wants to have the next big shoe deal, the next big thing in women's basketball shoes. Like I said, being and promoting, just got to start there, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, I'll hit the I'll hit the brainstorming stage tonight or tomorrow for sure. All right, guys. So th- uh, episode three is coming to a close. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that we covered a lot of interesting topics, and I hope you found today's conversation interesting. So, on behalf of myself and my beautiful co-host Princess Streeter, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have an awesome week. I hope you guys enjoy some of the games that are going to be coming up this week um and enjoy your memorial day mm, be safe be safe barbecue season is amongst us guys is anyone else excited because i am you know i am i want to go back to north carolina and get real barbecue like pulled pork but i don't eat pork so like pulled chicken seasoned like pork so yes girl i just ugh, i miss home i miss the south so badly so <laughs> if y'all want to really welcome me have some bomb cookouts and show me how y'all really eat up here or put her on to some as close to home like barbecue places. Oh, that'd be so good. In the DMV area. Yeah. Cause I hear Northern barbecue is not as good as Southern barbecue. It's not, y'all ain't even got the same kind of animals up here to, to make the bar. <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> that just made me feel like there's like a whole species that I'm not supposed to eat or maybe I am, I don't know. No, you are. We need to put you on to the Southern species. Y'all ain't even got, y'all ain't doing it right. (laughs) I love how her accent comes out when she's talking about her barbecue. (laughs) Right, now you know the key to her heart, guys. Send her some barbecue. Yes. Wait a minute, so have you ever eaten at, of course you've eaten there. I had, I ate there twice. Oh, what's the place in Charlotte? Bojangles. No, not Bojangles. We used to have that up here. Nah, not Bojangles. Um... Ah, it's like, ah, it's called the something. What do they have? They have these milkshakes that are really good. The cookout, yes. Girl, yes, I've had girl, what? Cookout (laughs) has saved my life. What are you saying, girl? Cookout is everything that life is supposed to be. You guys have all the good eateries down south. I have been wishing for a Waffle House in New York for so long and they won't give me one. Um, I like Cracker Barrel. Oh, oh my God. I love Cracker Barrel and biscuits and grits. <laughs> and what's the buffet chain that you guys have down there? Golden Corral. Golden Corral. I think one is coming to the Bronx. That's going to be interesting. so random, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, they they put in a golden corral in the Bronx. Good. <laughs> it sounds exactly what you're thinking is exactly how it sounds. Trust um, me. Y'all can't see my face right now, but she can't. <laughs> that sounds um okay. I don't know if I'll be eating there, but all right, because every golden corral isn't the same. You have good golden corrals and you have bad golden corrals. Everyone's not like a bomb one. You got to go test the waters a little bit to find the good ones. So okay. I'll uh-huh. test the one in the Bronx if it ever opens. And I will let you know. We were supposed to get a wet willies up here too, but that didn't work. Mm. That was never that was never gonna work. It doesn't make no sense. Like 
if you're gonna have what we lose in Manhattan, the drinks are gonna be more than what they are in any other state. And that's the whole appeal of what Willie's is that the drinks are really cheap. Plus in Manhattan, you could find cheap drinks everywhere. So it wouldn't have worked. I don't know, but I'm hungry now. I'm not well gonna make a, a sandwich. <laughs> I don't have none of that food All right, guys, enough about food. You <laughs> thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Yes. Love you guys. Be safe this Memorial Day. Have a great, great, great weekend. Enjoy your Monday off and catch us next week. All right, guys. Bye.